0: Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later on in today's episode. All right, we got a great episode coming up here for you. Of course, it was James Harden's return to Houston and another classic Brooklyn Beard performance. Break down the victory... For the Brooklyn Nets, talk about the game overall and Harden's individual performance. Going to have Jackson Gatlin, who covers the Rockets for Locked On Rockets podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Talk about where that franchise kind of stands right now, how the fan base should be feeling, watching John Wall have a big game, and maybe that's kind of a resume for some other suitors. And then ultimately, let's get into some of the role players for Brooklyn, and really where the pulse of this fan base is, as we threw out some pregame polls throughout the day to gauge where you were feeling heading into the all-star break all that's coming up but first the theme music
1: you are locked on nets your daily brooklyn nets podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Adam Armbrecht, flying solo, you know me, covering the Brooklyn Nets over on Sportscaster, also breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant podcast, and here today flying solo. There's no one for me to ask, how are you feeling coming off this massive win for the Brooklyn Nets? Was the competition anything to fear? Maybe not. But the beard certainly was a 132-114 dominant performance from Brooklyn. We're going to get into everything here. Uh, How did Harden look in his return? We're going to hop on with Jackson Gatlin, as we said at the top. So going to be a really fun episode. And it's interesting because as we start to kind of break down this game, I think what Doug and I have talked about previously and leading up to this return to Houston for James Harden was what version are we going to see, right? We did a lock it up segment last week where – where I asked Doug, what's the over-under for James Harden's point total in this particular matchup? I think I said at 37, right? Was it going to be that just go-off, total blitz performance, blow the lights out, really to send a message? And we you know, we went back and forth with it a little bit. I think ideally we want to see Harden continue to play the kind of style that he has since joining the Brooklyn Nets. And that's really what we got in this game. You, know, you take a look at his stat line, another triple-double, no big deal. Got you ten rebounds, fourteen assists, and twenty nine points in this game. Had ten assists in the first half. Again, he does the facilitating early and often. And it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty game to watch. That's the rea- that's the reality. It's just fun to sit back. And I know Doug and I do this you know often on the podcast where we almost kind of forget how good he is, how good Kyrie Irving is, even how good Kevin Durant is when they're on the floor because you you do become used to it. One of the other storylines, obviously, coming in was. How was Houston, the fan base, going to respond to the return of James Harden? Had about 3,000 fans in the arena for this one. And really, they announced his name. There may have been a couple of jeers in there, but mostly it was just a handful of cheers. You know, it's funny. We think about these players, and we know, right, it wasn't a great exit. James Harden acknowledged that, forced his way out of Houston. And I would understand a fan base having a bad taste in its mouth but then you look around, and Doug mentioned this last time, then you look around and you kind of see where the franchise is right now. you know you the g m steps down, you move on from Mike Dantoni, the head coach, who ends up finding his way to the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff in support of Steve Nash, and you I think you kind of see the writing on the wall. you know some people have said, well. If you would won a championship while you were there, it'd be easier. They point to LeBron James, right? The second stint with Cleveland. Easier for the fan base to wish him a fond farewell. I think sometimes people forget that Harden didn't start in Houston, right? He started in OKC. He ended up in Houston. And I understand what the goal was. And he had those great, those great appearances against the Golden State Warriors. Took him to seven games maybe had a bit of a you know you could say a choke performance or came up a little small it's hard when you're carrying a team sometimes and then there was good there was good supporting cast in that there was talented rosters there so you don't ultimately get it done and you kind of start to see things crumbling around you again maybe not the best strategy to get yourself out of Houston but at the same time if you're a real fan and we'll get into it with Jackson when we bring him on a little bit later I think you have to understand that's not where that franchise is right now and getting as much value as you possibly could in return for Harden. That was your best bet could have been done cleaner, could have been done better ways, but ultimately you have to feel pretty good about what you had in the time that you had them. You just tip the cap. So that was a storyline. We maybe thought coming into it didn't really amount to much. We turn our attention to the game though. This was, and it's still a little bit of a theme here, uh, you know, on Twitter, fan base in general talking about how the Nets have played down to competition a little bit. And again, small whiff of it early on here. This is a game that at the end of the first quarter. It's 30 to 27. And the turnovers are kind of here. You know, the one thing we we do leave out is that Harden had eight turnovers for the game in this one. But early stages a little bit loose, a little bit sloppy, you know, careless with it certainly. You could, you could use the the terms that way. You'll know, remember when you think about the way this this unrolls here, I thought that coming into it, a guy like DeAndre Jordan, guy like Claxton, we'll get into him later as well, would really thrive because when you look at the roster right now, and remember coming into this, Houston, by the way, 0-13 over their last 13, that's 13 games that they haven't had Christian Wood there. So that's kind of there's a bit of a one to one, right? You can you can kind of draw the connection about what maybe has led to some of their struggles here. But on top of that, though, inside of their injuries, you know, they're missing some key contributors here and really some key size. So I thought maybe you take advantage of that. And they did. You know, there was early access, the lane, etc. You think about Houston's side of it. They're not a great three-point shooting team. So I thought that maybe the Nets should try to be doing a better job of protecting and clogging the lane, forcing Houston to try to shoot from the outside. So it, it was a little bit frustrating in the in the early stages of this game. You even had Victor Victor Oladipo, by the way, having a couple of air balls early in this one from the outside. So again, it just felt like you could be leaning into some of those things. Now it's 15-15 about midway through the first, and then they start to clean things up a little bit. I, I really thought that the strategy started to play start, start to play itself out, and you could see it inside there when you had Bruce Brown coming up with some nice offensive rebounds. Combination of the fact that DeAndre Jordan is there, so now P.J. Tucker has to respect him, and it allows Bruce Brown to to accentuate what he does so well, and that's get in and crash the boards, timely rebounding, give you some extra possessions as well. Got a little concerned at the four-minute mark when the Nets were over the limit already. So, you know, the, the, the only thing that you could say was frustrating is the four around it as you try to get yourself into the rhythm of this game but when we talk about at the end of the first quarter go down harden again that really balanced performance six rebounds three assists five points facilitated and get and really gets you through it so i liked the style of it overall and if we want to just kind of flow through the way this game goes as far as from a hardened perspective. Work your way in through the second quarter. The Nets start to go on a run. By halftime, they're up 67-54, and they're really starting to find that rhythm. And they're doing it from the perimeter. By the way, one of the things that we do keep touching back on, midway through, or sorry, at halftime, Nets are shooting almost 60% from the field and 54% from beyond the arc. That's with James Harden knocking down two of four. At that point of the game, by the way, Harris only had one triple, knocked it down, but it was a you know, relatively small sample size, and the Nets have come into it making 16 three-pointers per game. They were 7-13 to 13 from the outside by the break. And you just start to separate it. The biggest concerns that you had was probably Oladipo and John Wall, and certainly they were getting there. John Wall had a heck of a performance. But by the time you get to the break and you feel like you have that cushion, it seems like a matter of when, not if, the Nets are going to completely pull away from this and really start to dominate. We'll get inside some some of the you know the plays that we really liked here, some of the things that I thought were effective for Brooklyn and then, and then ultimately again, only had an eight-man roster there for Houston. And, and quite frankly, there were some stretches in the second half when you just thought, hey, let's start to think about how we want to really send a clear message to Houston. They're not going to get this one back from us. They had to do some work, Brooklyn. But ultimately, they came away with a victory, and that's all that matters. And, you know I was as the game kicked off. I just kind of threw my feet up, and I thought about, you know, who's my Ultra Player of the Week going to end up being here? I sat back and felt just that little bit of happiness as I settled into the couch, sipped on a 2.6-carb, 95-calorie Michelob Ultra, and just really noticed how joy creates success. Am I right? Because Harden goes out there, and he is, by the way, my Ultra Player of the Week, out there on the floor, just showing pure joy, playing the game that he loves, executing the way that we know he can, and providing you with his second triple-double of the week. I don't know if there's any more enjoyment than what you saw from James Harden in his return to Houston. The question ultimately comes down to, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? And for me, it's got to be those wins for James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets because he's so happy, because he's so relaxed, and he's enjoying himself. And enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game, friends. And that is my one James the Beard Harden Ultra Player of the Week. Also got to remind everybody about bet online being the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Threw it out there in the pregame. Were you going to take the over for Brooklyn that was set at 119 for their point total? The under for the Houston Rockets at 109? Depending on where you laid that money down, you could have made yourself a little bit of coin. Football, of course, might be over right now as they get into their offseason, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. You could have thrown down some money on the Golden Globes. How many Zoom calls were going to freeze throughout the awards ceremony? There's real-time updated odds and props on almost everything that you can imagine bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. You head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign in today and you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online, your online sports book experts. Remember to use that promo code locked on. If you need a James Harden expert, it's gotta be Jackson Gatlin. For the Locked On Rockets podcast, a, a fellow brethren here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, how are you feeling? <laughs> Let's gauge you. How are you feeling right now? Because I'm buzzing, buddy. We're coming off. There's an absolutely fantastic victory. It's a triple double for Harden. He returns for Houston and just kind of says, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the show. Uh, where Where are you at just in the immediacy after that game?
1: You know, Adam, can can you think back to a minute, like back to like maybe middle school or elementary school when you go to like the nurse's office and there'd be like on a scale of one to 10, how bad does it hurt? Like sign on the wall. And they'd have like the (laughs) frowny faces that would just get increasingly more sad as you get up to like number 10. I'm at a 10 right now. Like it's just, it's painful to see James Harden, not only, you know, elsewhere in another Jersey, but thriving. And, And at the same time, it's, um, it's surreal, you know, even James Harden going so far as to say that he never imagined, you know, finishing his career elsewhere. He thought he was going to finish his career as a Houston Rocket, and unfortunately, you know, things change, situations change, uh his goals, his ambitions changed uh and just unfortunately the Rockets weren't able to continue putting a team around him that he felt was contender worthy, and he did what he had to do to get out of Houston. I don't agree with how he went about forcing his way out of Houston, but I don't Begrudge him for it, and uh, while I'm not going to be, uh, you know, cheering for the Nets to win the title this <laughs> year, um, I, not not actively doing so at least. Uh, once the Rockets are out of the play, out of playoff contention, which they pretty much are at this point, uh, but once they are officially out of playoff contention, I will be keeping a close eye on the Nets, and I will be at least content or feeling at least a little bit vindicated. Uh, should the Nets find themselves winning a championship this season, because it kind of validates everything that Houston Rockets fans have been uh, fighting on the behalf of James Harden for, for the last eight years.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because, because you bring that up. And it seems like at at the national level, everyone was talking about this about, oh, how are fans going to respond to James Harden when he comes back to Houston? And there's only 3000. We said at the top, it's a small, you know, small crowd in the arena, but it just, see they announced him, handful of cheers uh, because it, it, my sense from you is that, listen, there was a long stretch here. To, there was a big opportunity to have success with Harden and the Houston Rockets. And arguably you had a lot of success. The ultimate goal, maybe not championship, sure. But do is it the general thought process from the Houston fan base that, hey, we had a good run with him. We see where we are right now. We, we know what direction we're heading in, rebuilding, trying to retool and figure things out. And there's really not as short of, as you said, not a great look how you got out of there, but there's really not a whole heck of a lot for us to begrudge James Harden wanting to ultimately get someplace that he can win a title over the next couple of seasons.
1: Unfortunately, there's, it's a very layered answer, but to give it a a short and sweet summary, um, there are fans on both sides of the aisle who, you know, don't begrudge him who do, you know, hate his guts, whatever. Uh, they're unhappy with how he left. They feel betrayed, all of the above. But ultimately, the biggest issue for the fans who have yet to find that that sense of, I guess, solace or uh, kind of closure about the situation are the fans who are still, and and really, you know, this is an area that I'm still frustrated with, is the fact that James Harden, in an attempt to, you know, have a Hail Mary play For one last shot at legit contention in Houston, you know, forced the hand of Rockets ownership and at the time general manager, Daryl Morey, by, you know, based on the reports that we know, essentially saying, get me Russell Westbrook or trade me. Mm -hmm. And by delivering that ultimatum, it left the Rockets with no choice but to somehow acquire Russell Westbrook and then the ownership group. Ham fisted the trade through with the draft capital that, you know, should not have gone out in a trade of that magnitude. And so it's not any one individual's fault for the state of the current Rockets franchise. James Harden played his part. Tillman Fertitta played his part. Daryl Morey played his part. Everybody had a role that they played. And so that's the area that fans who are still begrudging James Harden, they're frustrated in the first place that he couldn't get past his differences with Chris Paul and try to work it out one last time. And instead you know, they, they then forced this trade through for Russell Westbrook and Russ, while he did have that really phenomenal two month stretch as a rocket, he wasn't the same in the bubble. He had the quad injury. He was recovering from COVID things just did not work out. And then, you know, a year after forcing the rockets to trade for his close friend, Russell Westbrook, James Harden demands a trade. So that's where some of like the, you know, the analysis, the side of, of rockets fans comes from and why they feel a certain way about how everything went down.
0: No, it makes sense, right? A couple of last ditch efforts that that maybe end up unraveling things even further than ultimately they may have been. Even if you ended up trading Harden along the way, uh, inside of this game specifically, uh, first of all, I mean, I, I was saying it over on Twitter. I, I had to hats off to to Houston, played an eight man rotation, outmatched, you know, out, undergunned, outmatched, all those adjectives, and they they came back a handful of times in this. I mean, there was a stretch there where the Nets were up twenty three, and it got back down to a twelve or. Point game or so and at least made the nets have to exert a little more energy and effort to ultimately close it out i want to get to a couple of these pieces because we know we're hitting the all-star break and you're going to be talking about possibly more trades on the on the horizon for houston but what did you see as a guy that that had watched harden for so many years in houston did you see anything unique as we've been watching him so far in a brooklyn nets uniform did you see anything unique in tonight's game that feels like it is a different facet of James Harden's game, that he has changed his
1: style of play since coming over to Brooklyn? James Harden hasn't changed his style of play one bit. What has changed is the personnel around him and the weapons that he has at his disposal. Um, Ultimately, Harden is a chameleon. You can slot him into... Any NBA team, any NBA offense, any any NBA system, and he will find a way to be successful. In Houston, in that first year with Chris Paul, James Harden turned into a turbo scoring machine, allowing Chris Paul to steer the offense at times and, and being very comfortable to get the ball out of his hands until he needed to isolate at the end of games to, you know, quote unquote, take over the following season. James Harden turned even, you know, it went even more turbo nuclear with the scoring stuff because he had to, the unguardable tour, scoring 30 plus and 32 straight games because that's what he had to do for the Rockets to even have a fighting chance on a nightly basis. He had to go God mode every single evening. So that's what he did. Now you're seeing with the Nets, he has more available shooters, guys who can do things off the bounce a little bit. He's got more bigs who are capable of catching lob passes. He has more weapons overall, not to mention the fact that he's playing alongside the two best players he's ever played alongside in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to have that talent, does it? (laughs) Absolutely. So at the end of the day, it's a personnel shift. Um, I don't see anything drastically different in his style of play. He's a very methodical, um, slow. I want to say I don't want to say slow pace, but he plays at his own speed and you cannot make him play at a speed that you want him to play at. He's going to play at his speed, regardless of how, how fast or slow that that game is going. He's going to slow things down and get things to exactly how he wants them so that he can play at his measured level. And he is going to dissect opposing defenses on a nightly basis. And we saw that in this one. I mean, he had a he had a triple double and it looked like he didn't even break a sweat, you know, 29, what was it? 29, 14 and 10. It's, it's just unbelievable what he's able to do on a nightly basis. And now you're seeing it in a role with the nets where he doesn't have to be that guy doing the heavy lifting every single evening. And he's very, he's more than content to score in those little pocket areas where he feels like he needs to in the flow of the game, within the flow of the offense and then facilitate for the rest of the game.
0: Yeah. And we said, man, time and time again, this season, since getting Harden, Doug and I find ourselves going Oh, yeah. And oh, by the way, it was a triple double for Harden, just in case no one realized, because it is you almost don't realize that it's happening in the course of the game. And you mentioned it as well. I do think that, you know, Kawhi Leonard is kind of that nice comp when you talk about he plays at his pace. His, that is his pace, his style of play. He's going to work his way to his spots. He's going to facilitate. He's going to get his looks. Like it just seems like one thing that I didn't really appreciate until watching hard and consistently is his basketball IQ is through the roof. He understands where to be. He understands where his teammates need to be, where to put them in good spots. So that element of his game has been absolutely fascinating to watch and just exciting to watch unfold uh, for Brooklyn. We'll get, we'll get you out of here on these last couple of things. One, During the course of this game, I mean, John Wall ends up having a heck of a performance for himself for a team that doesn't shoot great from the perimeter, and quite frankly, Oladipo early on here had some clunkers, but it was this – John wall showcasing himself for other teams to come and get him. Do you see Houston jettisoning a couple of players, whether it is John wall, Victor Oladipo, obviously without having wood on the floor for you, that's been this 13 game losing streak, but do you, do you see them really just trying to flip additional assets on short-term stays here and trying to, again, establish themselves ready for the rebuild process. However, they choose to go about that.
1: I I would be hard pressed to imagine John wall getting moved at least at this deadline. um, And that's, mainly in part due to his sizable contract. But at the end of the day, no contract is immovable in the NBA, but the Rockets, where they're at, and you you talk about the games from from John Wall, Victor Oladipo, combining for 69 points, uh, which was nice despite the loss. Um, Victor Oladipo and John Wall also kind of having some really inefficient shooting nights. John Wall just 12 of 30, 30, Oladipo 9 of 25, unfortunately. Um, But the cool thing about this team and – the thing that I absolutely respect the hell out of them for is, despite being on a 13-game losing streak, this team has a lot of fight in them. They they are a team with guys down the entire lineup who play with a chip on their shoulder, who play with intensity every single night. They're just at a point where the injuries have taken their toll. Um, they are, you know, just undermanned under you just not enough talent on a nightly basis, unfortunately. And this was a team that when they were finally fully healthy, um, finally had everybody in their lineup uh, playing consistent minutes, uh, no missing pieces. They went and won seven out of eight games in a row. They were the number one rated defense in the NBA for a stretch. And there's a reason for that. They have a lot of talent. They just don't have enough with all of the injuries that they're plagued with currently. But as far as flipping guys, um, didn't mean to go on that tangent, but just, you know, I no, want no, to no. just reiterate, I'm, I'm proud of the guys. You know, it's it's tough to be on a 13-game losing streak in the NBA and not want to hang your head after every single loss. But this group of guys, they really, they go they get after it despite the losing streak. Um. But back to the, the, the question at hand, I, I can't imagine them moving John Wall at the deadline. I think his contract is just going to be too much of a monster to move uh, in a deadline deal, potentially this summer, maybe. I don't necessarily think he's uh, a key piece of their long-term plans. He might just be here by necessity because it might be hard to move that contract. And I don't see them using assets to offload anybody because they're in asset accumulation mode. Uh and then I, I definitely see Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker as the two guys who could potentially be moved at the deadline. And there were even some people after the game, I'm sure you saw it, James Harden and P.J. Tucker kind of embracing at the end of the game. And there were some people in my mentions on Rockets Twitter saying that uh, the Rockets just need to move P.J. Tucker to Brooklyn so that you know he can reunite with James Harden. And there were other people, of course, the the slightly more logical Rockets fans saying – For what? Um, And that's a pretty (laughs) solid question there is uh, what exactly does Brooklyn have left that they'd be willing to give up for PJ Tucker? And why wouldn't they have just included PJ Tucker in the original framework of the deal if that's something that they were going to even remotely entertain? So I don't think that's a possibility, unfortunately, at this point, although it would be uh, the the human in me would love to see PJ Tucker and James Harden reunited. The Rockets analyst in me wants to see them get a max return for PJ Tucker, whatever they can get back for him at the deadline.
0: No, for sure. And it's just, yeah, listen, we'll keep accumulating the veteran talent, right? We got Jeff Green from the OKC connection days with with Kevin Durant and with Harden. Let's just keep folding in the guys who spent time around them. You mentioned, okay, yeah, this real quick on this um, about what could the Nets give up, right? To acquire another piece. Did Sean Marks just kind of you know, pull the rug out from underneath everybody by hiding this gem of a player that that the Nets fan base is really frothing over right now, understandably, in Nick Claxton. I mean, was this kind of the secret piece? Everyone talked about Allen and what he is, but we've watched in these last handful of games, even just in this performance again tonight, 16 minutes, 16 points for him. He's really shown up in a lot of different ways, and he looks like he's a very different type of player relative to a DeAndre Jordan, relative to a Jared Allen, even a Jeff Green when they put him into that five role at times. Should Houston, should any of these teams have been saying also Nick Claxton? That's who we
1: want to see in these trades in these trade opportunities? <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh Adam it's the, it's really the James Harden effect is what it is. And it's James Harden. Knows Everybody looks how, better, right? <laughs> and James Harden knows how to get bigs paid. I mean, go look at Clint Capella and I will give credit to Clint Capella where credit is due. He is a good big, um, but James Harden absolutely inflated his stats to an extent, uh, especially offensively when Clint Capella can't do anything more than, you know, four feet away from the basket, uh, other than catch lobs and, and dunks and putbacks right around the rim. So, you know, Claxton might might have a little bit more utility about him, but it's absolutely a- an effect of James Harden. If you stick Claxton, Claxton, I apologize, on any other team, uh, he might still be talented. He might have a high ceiling, uh, but he wouldn't look nearly as good without uh, James Harden facilitating for him on a nightly basis. That's what I'll leave you with, friends. And I- Houston,
0: friends, if you're looking for somebody to go down with the ship and hold your hand until the sweet embrace of the end of this season finally comes for Rockets. It's got to be Jackson Gatlin, obviously, host of the Locked on Rockets podcast right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. You can follow him there on Twitter. You can follow him, of course, as well at uh, JT Gatlin. Anywhere else that people need to know about you?
1: Uh, No, just at Locked on Rockets at JT Gatlin. You hit the two right on the head, Adam. I appreciate it. There you go, sir. We appreciate the time. We will, of course, catch up with you soon, man. Absolutely always a pleasure to come on here for these uh, crossover in-network promos, and I'll be sure to let my Rockets fans know to check out Locked on Nets for uh, the the fans that are a little bit more preoccupied with what Harden is up to these days rather than the the floundering Rockets. You know, coming off a loss
0: like that in the state of the franchise, maybe Jackson Gatlin would just as well like to get into his car and drive clean out of Houston, leaving it all in the rearview mirror. And that is where, quite frankly, friends, a place like rockauto.com could really come in handy because you never know when you're out there on the road, if you're going to run into an issue and need to be able to source the right part to be able to fix that vehicle. I myself actually years ago, I drove a, a 91 240 Volvo. This is no joke. Had the entire exhaust system rust and fall off somewhere on the Garden State Parkway. And I wish that back then there had been a rockauto.com, which is a family business. It's serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. You go to rockauto.com to shop the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything that you can imagine to control modules and brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpeting. Maybe it's getting old and musty in there. I know sometimes I leave the windows open, a little bit of rain gets in, no big deal. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few clicks to river directly to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you'd prefer. You don't know what you're going to get in terms of pricing when you go into your local spot, you go to the mechanic, are you getting screwed over, or are they giving you the real deal? You don't know, but not with RockAuto.com. Because best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much money for the same parts? You go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com
1: Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease, cash offer, and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area until April 1st, 2024. And of course
0: it is Locked On NBA Draft. Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more of what you need to know, then you need to subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. So it was interesting there at the end of that conversation with uh, Jackson. You know, we asked about Claxton, and, and we know that Harden does make everybody better. You do start to wonder how much of his potential is being unlocked. What is the ceiling for him? Sky's the limit, as we all like to say. But there certainly is the James Harden effect in there as well. But in the second quarter, when Claxton comes in, and we just kind of you know walk through the kind of back end of this, but he he walks in again and has an immediate and early impact on what this team looks like you know 16 minutes 16 points He he's giving you this sample size and showing off a skill set maybe it is in connection with having Harden on the floor playing with better players makes you better but what Jared Allen was never going to necessarily be for us what DeAndre Jordan certainly isn't and I said it you know even there with Jeff Green talking to Gatlin This is a player, Nicholas Claxton, that is picking up guards out on the perimeter and running them all the way to the rim. Showed that off with John Wall. Wall got to the bucket, but he stayed with him, didn't foul, and was a presence there as well. He can get out and run the floor with fluidity. He can obviously, he can put the ball on the floor. Gave you multiple examples of it in this game where out at just inside the arc, out at the elbow, put the ball on the ground, worked a spin move, got inside, attacked at the rim, drew fouls, got to the free throw line, right? So this is a different type of style of game that he's bringing to the table. When you finally get KD, Kyrie, Harden, Claxton, Joe Harris as a starting five, potentially. I didn't think that things could get better or more impressive than getting these three superstars. But throwing into the mix is certainly going to change the way other teams have to look at this roster and look at these lineups and how they're going to have to defend them. Claxton is a whole new wrinkle. As far as the game's concerned, as we said, you walked into the break feeling pretty confident, and then the third quarter starts out exactly how you wanted to see it. It was a lob all the way from the outside perimeter, hardened to DJ, starts off the third. That was his 10th assist right there. Brown also, there's a nice little sequence where off of a Kyrie Irving miss from the right wing, he brings down that rebound, locates... Uh, Harris as he's falling out of bounds under the basket, and it's a triple for Joe Harris. Nice bounce back performance for him as well. That made it a 72-56 game at the point. At that point, and you also saw inside of those sequences was the hesitation at the top of the key from James Harden. Does a little shoulder raise like he's maybe going to take the shot. Takes one man off the dribble, works a spin move inside layup as well. The, it was 85-66. My note was bloodbath. that that, that's where I found myself thinking. And then by the way, a bit of a run for Houston as it happens in the NBA. And in the blink of an eye, a 14, five run, it was 90 to 80. And again, if we're going to do a tip of the hat, Steve Nash with a very well-timed timeout, they mentioned it on the broadcast. He kind of pulled Kyrie Irving aside. Another inconsistent performance from Kyrie Irving. Oddly enough, still looks strong from the perimeter four of nine from three point range, but nine of 21 on the night. And it just looked like Nash, point guard to point guard, said, hey, just bring it in, settle it down for a second. And then it really was a collection of a couple of triples from Kyrie Irving, domination from James Harden, and they just opened it back up there. And by the time we get into the middle of the fourth quarter, we're really just you know talking about window dressing here. The Nets dump out the bench at one point. But I really thought that there was, there was that effort, heart, hustle from Houston at least made you have to kind of put your final stamp on this game. And and they did exactly that. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of details that we can kind of get into. I even thought, I'll mention one last piece here before we get out the door, beyond the, the great performance. And we'll get back in on Friday. I'm sure uh, Doug's going to have some thoughts about this one. So, we'll touch back into the game. We're heading into the All-Star break. Uh, just a heads up that I'm actually going to be getting on a fantastic little podcast, a fellow uh, Locked On Buckeyes contributor here on the network also has his own show and that's Jay Steven. So I'm going to be on his podcast uh, today, actually. So go find that podcast right now, wherever you get those needs fulfilled. But the last little piece that I really thought was great here. Claxton showed again, we keep talking about smarts about, you know, players with that high basketball acumen, Claxton's on the baseline, and he kind of sits and settles in there. And as the play is unfolding around him, he gets the pass on the interior. He could have bodied up and gone for it, but instead holds it for a second, little delay, inside feed to Brown, and Brown goes up for the easy layup. You know, these are the other, the evolution of of Claxton's game is how do you start to become a facilitator out at the top of the key? How do you work it around the outside? And I'll, I'll throw this little wrinkle in. We'll talk to Doug about it probably tomorrow. Claxton can shoot from the perimeter. That 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 skill set does exist there. Haven't even scratched that surface yet. So we'll dive into all those things. We're going to unpack some stuff over the break. We have some guests lined up to kind of talk about the first half of the season. How do we feel about where Brooklyn is right now? What are the things we're going to watch for over the second half of this year to make sure that as we head towards those playoffs, we're really talking about a team that can be dominant, that can go deep, and that can ultimately, hopefully, find its way uh, to the NBA Finals, where we all want to be. Until then, though, of course, there's plenty of things that you can do to help out the podcast. Go over wherever you get them. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us that five-star glowing review. We continue to see the boost in the numbers. We appreciate the interaction over on Twitter. So keep throwing your questions at us, and then in return, a simple, hey, five stars. Doug is a good-looking guy, even if you've never seen him. Great-looking guy, Doug Norrie. Heck of a podcast. That's all it takes, friends, and we really appreciate it as we continue to see these numbers go up, up, and up. It was a truly love-and-miss-you, hug-and-kiss-you day for me to Douglas Norrie. We'll be back in with our Friday wrap-up show and, of course, the Lock It Up segment. Until next time, friends, have a good one. Enjoy the all-star break.